Hey, it's movie time. Check the clocks. What time is it? Uh, it says Mind Over Movies podcast time on my phone. You liar. It's 320. Oh, actually, mine says 317. Wait. Oh, my God. My laptop clock is broken. <laughs> the more you know. The more this, you know. With this podcast this week, come, come start learning now. Casey, what have you learned? <laughs> um, what did I learn? Um, hmm. Nothing. Yeah, same here, man. But I did watch some movies. I did watch some movies. <laughs> what, what have you seen this week, man? Well, I have seen... I caught up on the... Um, the uh, Well, I caught up on a 2020 movie. Oh. Um, yes, me and Donna went... Uh, we were in Fort Smith, and we actually went to the AMC theater there. And yes. caught a right, caught a matinee showing of Promising Young Woman. Um, there was nobody in that theater, which saddened me because that's such a good movie. I like, I have not heard of this. You've movie. You've not like, heard of this straight movie. Straight up. No. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> Promising. It's the it's a directorial debut uh, by Emerald Fennell. Um, I think it's an Emerald Fennell. If it's like French, it's probably like Emerald. Yeah, probably. So <laughs> it's a it's a movie about a woman um, who basically she uh, it's like a revenge movie, but the revenge plot doesn't come into like about the second act. But it's a it's this girl who um, she's had this tragedy in her past of her friend who was uh, raped uh, and. Uh, her friend like committed suicide shortly after. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, a pretty heavy subject matter. But um, it basically she goes to clubs like every week and pretends that she's like drunk, like off her ass, and then like a nice guy will come over and like take her to the apartment and basically try to have sex with her while she's drunk, and then she'll like snap out of it and be like, "What are you doing?" And then they get like freaked out, you know. Um, so it's like her way. She goes around and like. Has, Keeps this notebook and everything. Does she like kill him? No, she doesn't kill him. Uh, but she, uh, ba- she just basically scares the living daylights out of him because they know what they're about to do. And like when she shows up, she's like, "I'm not drunk," you know. Freaks them out, and they kind of, you know, uh, I guess hopefully she's inspiring them to like be more careful and to stop being shitty. Um, but then the second act, a revenge plot like kicks in, and it's great. I won't say too much more, but it is phenomenal. We loved it. Donna and I, we absolutely loved it. Um, I think our good friend Saxon, um, he's reviewed it as a five star. Whoa. He's given it the coveted five stars. That's high acclaim from Saxon. Yeah, I know. He uh I read his review, he he liked it a lot. Um but yeah, and I gave I gave it four out of five. I, I really liked it a lot. Uh and yeah, the director is Emerald Fennell or however mm. you say that, but this is her directorial debut and let me tell you, it's a romp and I highly recommend seeing it not comfortable seeing in a theater just wait it's probably about to come to a streaming service it's really really good well i i definitely want to give a quick shout out to saxon for validating my opinion on uncut gym <laughs> uh, that was awesome you know <laughs> uh, but uncut gems over parasite that was a pretty bold choice oh his, yeah yeah my, it was and sam uh who listens to the podcast he's my friend mm-hmm. he he made a really great list too oh my god yeah. we just apparently all of 
film Twitter in 2019 has like the same 10 movies. Right, much, like, right. Give or take a couple. Like, yeah. wait, I hadn't seen Waves on uh, I haven't on seen list, Waves either. But I, I really do want to see that. Like, I Sterling K. Brown is one of my favorite actors in television. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he's great in OJ versus the people. Yeah. And then I also hear he's really good in This Is Us, but I've never seen that, like, <laughs> ever. Right. <laughs> What what confuses me about the movie Waves is that it's by Trey Edward Schultz and he's the one that did It Comes at Night. Which, oh, really? Yeah, which I love. Have you have you seen it? I have it? seen it. Um, I love it. But... I liked it. I I definitely see why people hated it though because it it was definitely mismarketed. Like, oh yeah, as, was, yeah, as a horror movie, and then it was just like a cooler like post apocalyptic. Yeah. Well, depression. Yeah, right. I think it was a little bit also too artsy for people. Um, oh, absolutely. I had some friends that went and see it, and they were like, this is so boring. And then I watched it, and I was just like shaking in my seat. I was like, I love this. <laughs> but um, yeah, just kind of, I'm, I'm interested to see Waves just because, you know, both uh, films that Trey Edward Schultz has done have been uh, like thrillers, like Krisha, and It Comes at Night, and then he just does this like drama sort of thing. So I'm, I'm interested to see it. Um, if it, it was, who was, whose list was it on? It was on Saxon's, Saxon's. I think. If yeah. Saxon puts it on his top 10, I, I'm going to watch it. I, I trust, uh, I trust Saxon's opinion. Hey, this has been Saxon's minute, man. Yeah. And also Sam, thank and you all, for your yes. list too. You know, Sam replies, uh, a lot. Uh, he always he, seems to listen to the podcast right when it comes out. He's fantastic. Shout out to him. And Blake and Jacob. I mean. Oh, yeah. They all listen to it. Yeah. Thank you all. This is just our listener love minute. You're right. You know what? You guys rock. Um, (laughs) But uh, I I also watched a couple movies this week. I I caught up on a 2020 movie as well. Uh, Soul. Soul. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I still haven't watched it. I'm so behind. Oh, well, let me just say it. It's pretty good. Really? Like, okay. I, I had heard mixed things going into it. There is a bit of a controversy about um, the main character's appearance. Yes, and uh, having seen it, I am I get it. Mm-hmm. I do. Like, I, I do think it's odd that Pixar has this, like, trend of placing characters of color mm-hmm. into um, other forms. Other forms, <laughs> to yeah. put it lightly without right. spoilers. But it's like... In this movie, I see what they were trying to do, and I think mm-hmm. it came from like an innocent place. It is weird, mm-hmm. and it's like it, it's strange that this happened in Coco, and then it also happened in Seoul. But I don't think that it was done with malice or like mm-hmm. it, in any way to like take away representation. I just think that that white people should do know how to write a quirky movie. Well, yeah. I actually don't know if the screenwriter was white. I just have always assumed. That that's usually the case with like a Pixar movie, right? Um, um, well, I know I've, Pete Doctor, the director, and then he has a co-director um, on this one, I believe. Crap, you know, we really got to start doing our research before <laughs> we come into the booth, man. That's okay. I mean, uh, I mean, I I've read that uh, I read something yesterday that somebody said it was a a black screenwriter. Yeah. Okay. So it's Kemp Powers helped. Uh, Kemp Joshua. Powers, Mike Jones, uh, and Pete Doctor, the director, all right. wrote it. All right. So it's gotcha. so it's um it's balanced. So I don't think that the form changing was done with malice. Like I do gotcha. think this came from a place of love because, like it it is about black culture. Like inherently, mm-hmm. like it's about jazz. It's mm-hmm. about like uh, the pride of like living in New York and just everything that comes with that genre and. 
that's something weird about jazz and movies that's been happening in the past few years is it's suddenly become like oh white people are invigorating jazz like la la land is like one of my favorite musicals that's come out in recent years but same let mm. me tell you that is so whack that like yeah. ryan gosling's character is like i'm the one saving jazz right now yeah. and like john legend is like ruining it like i don't know how jazz became so like gentrified in yeah. movies and it, it, it kind of has but this kind of takes you know takes a step back and it's like look here's where it came from this is the culture mm-hmm. that created it and it's not exclusive obviously but mm-hmm. it's like here just look at it like yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is this is its origins pay your specs i guess sort yeah of kind of thing yeah and it feels very well done and it feels very loving mm-hmm. um and then on top of that soul is just a really solid movie like, okay it, pretty much it's a wonderful life meets like modern quirky like pixar thing and it's right. it's pretty formulaic for that you know like Pixar movies gotta have like kind of like mathematically timed like emotional beats right, you know right. there's always like the cry moment towards the end the <laughs> piano montage like it's weird that in both Onward and Soul this year there is like pretty much an exact frame by frame like montage with sad piano music <laughs> where main character comes to realization about other character in the right. movie it's like we just did this this year. Like that's what I mean by formula. Is like yeah. usually if you space out your movies, we won't notice it. But yeah, <laughs> there it is, right there. I, would, I wonder if that formula will get uh, start to get old, and people will start realizing like uh, like they'll start catching on, and then yeah. Pixar will start to lose like a bit of their reputation because their movies are getting so like formulaic. And uh, I mean, if you think about it, like that. Like you said, like the sad piano montage realization about another character. That's been... That's been a staple. A staple in like a lot of Pixar movies. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Also, you bring up the good but very problematic point about La La Land, which I hate to admit because that movie is like a masterpiece to me. But you're right. Like, it's the white guy, you know, that's like saving jazz and whatever. And then John Legend's character is the one kind of like ruining it or like putting... And I'm just like... You know, for somebody like Damien Chazelle that seems to know so much about, like, music and especially jazz, for him to make a misstep like that, it's kind of mind-boggling, like, Mm. to me. Like, I'm just now, like, actually fully processing that, and I'm like, that's ridiculous, uh kind of like you know i don't know like it's like it, it may not be intended with malice like right. oh white people should own jazz just as much as like black people but like it is weird mm-hmm. in the context of the movie to just be like yeah what uh, what what is the deal with ryan Gosling yeah. like having the final say about what jazz is and what right. it isn't like i don't know um but i really liked soul it was That's it was good. solid. I would say, even though I just compared it to Onward, that I thought it was a much better movie mm-hmm. than Onward. Like it just, it's better paced, and mm-hmm. honestly, like I don't know how to say this like tastefully because I know that we have Onward fans who listen to this. Sorry, mm-hmm. Jacob. Um, <laughs> but I just take issue with like some of the higher concept, like Pixar. No, not like higher concept, but like more comedy leading like Mm -hmm. pixar movies that come out these days like and onward was definitely one that was trying really hard to be funny Mm. and i found that often it wasn't all that funny and i think 
the same with soul like the parts of soul that were going out of its way to be like really funny and like it, it almost feels like marvel cinematic universe like level of humor where i'm just so used to the quips that i'm like is this really all that funny anymore? yeah i don't know it's a weird phenomenon to describe and it probably right. entails its own episode like how yeah. pixar has and i think people would be hard-pressed to deny this how pixar has gone downhill in quality in a mm-hmm. lot of ways over the years like I think that the bangers are definitely few and far between, like Coco, mm-hmm. and I would say Soul is pretty close to a Pixar banger. Inside mm-hmm. Out is a banger. Oh, <laughs> Inside, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think maybe they're just kind of like masking the fact that they've they're slowly running out of like, like they have good I- original ideas, but they don't have enough like content or like writing ability to fill that you know slot that idea for an hour and a half. I think is the uh, is the problem because i i personally enjoyed onward a lot but i i do understand the pacing issues some of the comedy in it was like mm-hmm. i think geared more towards kids a little bit yeah well let me tell you i'd be lying to you if i said that ending uh piano montage didn't make me squall because like <laughs> i mean no it's it got really me. good it's really good <laughs> that's the thing is like i want to bash the ending piano montage for being so formulaic but it worked it both, in both of these movies I it know. still works it's like <laughs> oh man yeah i mean it's been working at least since toy story 3 which is the one that i can first right. think of where explicitly there is piano like yeah music montage thing and this is woody <sighs> Andy's a freak. (laughs) He's just like, give me that back. (laughs) I can't play with that bitch. (laughs) He said he's going off to college, but he's still like, can't have my toys. (laughs) Gotta have my toys. Stupid ass girl. Oh my god. (sighs) Well, enough um, beating Pixar. Yeah, well. You know, you saw one more movie, didn't you? Yeah, you want me to talk about it, don't you? You Just a little bit. I mean, if you want to save it, you know, we can. No, no, I would like to talk about it. I've I've never seen Rango. Rango? Yeah. Yeah, boy! (laughs) And so, like, of the animation studios uh, out there, like, Nickelodeon doesn't usually get talked about, probably because, like, their claim to fame is Open Season. Oh, yeah. Or Open Season 3, maybe. Maybe. Maybe Open Season (laughs) 2. Either way. I've seen two more than the other ones, I'm not gonna lie. I I feel like, honestly, though, that they've had, like, some pretty solid animated movies or movies in general i'm just having a really hard time thinking about (laughs) what those movies are it's definitely not the new teenage mutant ninja turtles movies oh no no definitely not i when i think nickelodeon movies i think more like the ones that just come to the nickelodeon channel yeah rather than uh but rango is one of those movies that like when nickelodeon um came out with that in 2011 i think it was Um, yeah it was 2011. That was check. like, I was like really giddy because I was like, if this is going to be like all the Nickelodeon animated movies, then I'm going to have a great time with this. But um, they didn't, you know, they didn't really seem to do a whole lot like after that in terms of their like animation mm-hmm. uh, department. I know they did that Wonder Park movie that came out. Oh, uh, that uh, looks bad. It looked really bad. I didn't. I, didn't I don't know if anyone actually went and saw that. Like, I don't think anybody did. I don't, I don't, I don't know what its deal was, but I definitely wasn't interested. But Rango, 
was one that I definitely um, had put off seeing for a really long time. Like, you know, even as a kid, I was like interested in seeing it. it like, came out when I was in seventh grade, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll go see it. And I just never did. And then people were like, oh, it's pretty good. Um, and I finally seen it, and I gotta say, it, it's definitely a lot more than I thought it would be. Like. It's it's by Gore Verbinski who did Such the Pirates a... of the Caribbean movies. Well, the original three. Right. He didn't, he didn't do, do the two the bad later ones. ones. <laughs> I would argue that the bad ones started with him, but I mean, I that's mean, a discussion for another day. That's if true. you've got love for World's End, you know, I see you. I don't feel you, but yeah, I see you. Okay. okay? <laughs> like I'll 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 believe you know the dead man's chest hype. Like that's yeah. that's tight. It's that's legit. One. Like yeah. especially with the wheel. Yeah, sword fight. You yeah. know that's something that's never gonna leave my head. Davy Jones is a is a great villain. Mm-hmm. World World's End. It's just too I, convoluted. I get it. I get opinion. it. It's a bit convoluted. That's that's a whole right. episode. I yeah, feel like, true. Like pirates, <laughs> but... we'd have to maybe I'd have to rewatch all of them. <laughs> but Gore Verbinski is not responsible for the extra bad ones, which no. came out. Jack Sparrow. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta fill your mouth with some like major spit before yeah, you do Javier that Bardem spit. What? What's that level? Can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> they did Javier so bad in that movie. They really did. It's so bad. I don't even know what I'm going to say about Rango anymore. I'm, just thinking <laughs> I'm sorry. About Javier Bardem. No. No, Rango's solid, though. That's the thing I want to say is I was very surprised about just how solid Good. it was because it's it's a Western. It's, like, it is just a yeah. classic Western movie. And it's not for kids, either. No. I don't know. Like, I think if I had seen it younger, like, that would have really thrown me off. I think seventh grade was probably the best time for me to have watched it because that's when I was really into, like, Clint Eastwood, like, mm-hmm. Western movies. And, of course, Rango's got that little Clint Eastwood, like, nod in there i think this would have probably been the best animated movie i'd ever seen at the time mm-hmm. nowadays i'm like i appreciate you rango mm-hmm. i like what you're doing here there's not too many animated movies like it like mm-hmm. you can tell you know one of those fun behind the scenes tidbits about this movie is that gore verbensky had all the actors act out the scenes in live action you know so they could like get a feel for the characters and so the movements and animation would look better and it's fantastic. This mm-hmm. animation, like especially like the character stuff, is fantastic. I would say like any humans that show up in Rango look pretty dated by today's standards. Like, and I think they even look dated for like a twenty eleven like right, animated movie. Right. But I think in terms of character design for the animals, like it looks fantastic. I know. It's, yeah. The uh, I remember when I was watching it for the first time in the theater, I was thinking like, wow, these animals look so like hyper realistic almost like with the animation and like i loved that style and just the fact that it's a western if you know me you know this Mm -hmm. this movie is a 10 out of 10 for me it's one of my favorite animated movies of all time i've been trying to get all my friends to watch it finally the other day they did sit down and watched it um And, uh, yeah, I love Ringo. It's a great movie. I was one of said friends yes. that sat down and watched it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's me. <laughs> um, Ringo's great. Yeah. But you know what also is great? What is also <laughs> great? Horror movies. Horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I 
easy. You no, know, we really nailed the art of the transition on I this know, podcast. I Nothing know. ever seems forced. No. Um, but yeah, horror movies have been a long-standing genre. Casey, what? Well, what's up with them today? We wanted to talk not just not just talk about uh, horror movies. Uh, you know, there's probably way better podcasts out there that gush about horror movies. Uh, yeah, like the, podcasts devoted solely to horror yeah, movies. like Dead Meat, uh, the Dead Meat podcast. But we're not going to copy them. Today no. we're just going to talk about some interesting horror movie tropes um, that we just find fascinating and that uh, we think you would like to know about because there are a lot of them. Mm-hmm. It's a genre steeped in um, a mythology of its like own like self almost um if that makes any sense it makes sense in my head but either way you know it's um it's just got a lot of uh history behind it um the evolution of the horror genre is like one of the craziest like evolutions of genres like ever and it's still evolving today you know with with the new like wave of horror it's uh it's different but people still love it like there's just an attraction to this genre that is so uh i I don't know it's like so like gravitational to like if like even like the crappy january slash mid-february horror movies that come out in theaters they bring in lots of people anyway because it's a horror movie it's a fun experience um but um less about you know talk about the experience of the horror movie more is the content of a horror movie um and really, I think today when we talk about these tropes, they probably won't be kind of in the newer. We won't talk about too many newer uh, yeah. horror movies because I, I feel like they're finally evolving a little bit. But some of that that Stephen King '90s, early 2000s, and back towards the uh, '70s, '80s really have this you know kind of like formula almost for making a, a cult classic horror movie um, that we'd like to we'd like to discuss. For sure. And I mean, th- this is just like an important discussion because horror movies are definitely still taking cues from these. Like, I think there's like three schools of like horror right now, which mm-hmm. are just like, you know, the gore hound school where, yeah. you know, you're just coming to the movie to get, you know, watch people get killed or decapitated. Whatever, and, like, decapitated. Yeah. Like you're only there for the kills. Mm-hmm. There's like the straight up like, oh, we're going for Kubrick or like Carpenter like style mm-hmm. suspense. And then there's probably the newest school of horror mm-hmm. which is the scream school where it's yeah. like oh we think horror movies are so fun and we're talking about like the tropes and it's a yeah. partial comedy like i think nowadays more horror comedies mm-hmm. come out than ever before and i mean i have no basis for that statistic but <laughs> right well it just feels like it yeah i mean honestly i think we hit peak horror comedy with uh and I actually like these two movies. Like, I think these movies are actually great. Oh, I know what you're about to say. Happy Death Day. <laughs> like, I love those two. Like, those are some of the best horror comedies like to come out. Um, you know, in in the mainstream at least in a while. Because I know, uh, technically, I guess what we do in the shadows is a, a horror comedy. I guess. Yeah. Um, there's movies like that that are obviously you know, but. They kind of stay in the shadows, you know. Happy Death Day really came out like everybody watched this movie. It's like a mainstream Hollywood release, and I've never seen either of them. But you, you have. I hear, I hear they're pretty fun. They're. Well, I've heard some mixed things, but people to, that I yeah. actually enjoy watching movies with say they're pretty fun. Yeah, they're to <laughs> me. To me, they're delightful. That's the best word I could use for it. Uh, 
But yeah, um, yeah, let's just get into it. Um, uh, how, how, where do we start with this thing? Well, um, you know, I think it's a good place to start by mentioning that throughout this podcast, you should be warned that my apartment was built on Indian burial ground, which is oh. a great segue <laughs> into one of the oldest and weirdest like um, tropes. Is the old uh, buried on an Indian burial ground. <laughs> I mean, built on an Indian burial ground. Because it's mentioned in several horror movies. Yes. I think half of the ones I'm thinking of right now are Stephen King ones. Yes, like, that's like exactly Like The Shining was, mm-hmm. is one. Pet Cemetery. Yeah, I was thinking one. of Pet Cemetery uh, very specifically. It's, okay, so this is Stephen King's <laughs> trope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Stephen King kind of really uh, defined this kind of uh, plot point, um, which I'm not sure. Maybe it's the spirituality of native american culture that makes writers like think that uh you know i really i don't know i mean i don't have a lot of like factoids to give you about how this can i'm just really just talking about it because it's something that um is so weird you know to just i I don't know i feel like king is the one who popularized it and i feel like Mm -hmm. it came from a place of like You know, he grew up in the 50s and he's pretty open and his books like set in the 50s and just about his own childhood that like back then, you know, playing cowboys and Indians, Mm -hmm. watching serials like The Lone Ranger. Yeah. You know, that was all the rage. That was like a part of the culture. And so as he grew up, I feel like that kind of morphed into, Mm -hmm. um, oh, you know, when you break down Indians, there's like so much more that's interesting Mm-hmm. they're like they they have the spirituality about them like i think even another movie i watched recently creep show 2 which stephen king mm-hmm. you know wrote the short stories that's based on he's obsessed with like the idea of like indian spiritual like native american spirituality like mm-hmm. bringing back like statues and yeah. like bringing life to things like he's just obsessed i think with like native american like the spirit world for Mm -hmm. them yeah and like i think that's like a lot of what's going on in the shining a lot of what's going on in uh pet cemetery and then creep show too like those are the three Mm -hmm. main examples i can think of and then poltergeist isn't that like yeah doesn't poltergeist have the the house is built on the Mm -hmm. indian barrel ground or something yeah it's um super super weird trope but yeah i think you i think you uh deconstructed it pretty nicely like with uh maybe stephen king's like rationale um with it and like also like with just with the shining i mean i want to say for those of you doing who do not know but i'm pretty sure you all know the shining is one of the most picked apart and theorized like film like of all time there's a whole documentary called room 237 i think yeah yeah that's just all about these crazy ideas that people have about what the shining really means and one of the most popular ones is that it's about the exile of the native americans um from the from their land uh which because i believe isn't there a shot in the shining with a totem pole yeah and then there's also like they talk about this in room 237 but like uh, one of the cans that like a character hands off has mm-hmm. a Native American painted on it, mm-hmm. and he's offering like a peace pipe yeah. on it, and it's like 
their way of saying like oh you know these people were peaceful and then they were attacked and killed and so like an act of bad faith Mm -hmm. like occurred on this ground and i think that's like king's main intention with like all of these pieces is that like you i think what it is in pet cemetery he says like the the ground is soiled or like yeah the soil is like poor and what Mm -hmm. he's saying is like native americans were killed there Mm. like it's a mass grave essentially and so i think the whole idea of this trope is that when an act of like goodwill like peace Mm -hmm. and like um kindness is met with violence like uh you know that act of goodwill in death like changes to like creates bad juju yeah (laughs) it essentially creates bad juju (laughs) um because in all of these movies, it all it ends up being like, the 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 spirits are angry or the spirits yeah, like yeah. corrupt. Like when the kid comes back in Pet Cemetery, like mm. the kid wants to murder the, the family. family. Yeah, like the ghosts at the Overlook Hotel want mm-hmm. um, Jack to murder uh, his family, and they've been telling people to murder um, guests for years because right. there's other ghosts who did just that, like yeah. Mr. Grady in the bathroom. Yeah. Hmm. Your family. <laughs> I can't remember the quote right now. It's like, you should teach them a lesson, Mister Torrance. <laughs> yes, that's such a that's such a creepy, well uh, done scene though. Mm-hmm. Like I remember that scene very vividly. Um, but yeah, I feel like almost maybe this is my film theory uh, degree kicking in. I'm oh dang! Uh, I don't have a degree. We got a film major here. Watch out! We got a film major here. No, <laughs> uh, this is this is my. Uh, brain kicking in firing on all cylinders maybe being a little bit too pretentious but i think maybe the the indian burial ground uh trope kind of stems uh almost from like a revenge like plight like almost Mm -hmm. like it's the native americans because you always see like in the instance i know we've only used really only a few examples but i'm going to use the same example again with pet cemetery he's warned not to go to the uh to that place basically yeah, the burial the, ground. to the burial ground and it's sort of like saying like you know don't like don't go there because the the spirits are i guess uh uh vengeful i couldn't mm-hmm. think of the word they're like vengeful and then he does it he kind of like sort of that betrayal on their plot of land again he steps foot on so it's like them taking revenge um, and i feel like and it's the same in the shining as well it's just like vengeful spirits for what you know, um, white people basically did to Native Americans, and um, but like I, I can't give full credit to to any writer that comes up with that because if you think about it, these these books are written um, yeah. in a time where like Native American um, sympathies were not they were non-existent. Basically, like we're only I feel like we're only just now beginning to fully realize and start. Um, like recognizing the Native American kind of like this that struggle that uh, that history um, that we're starting to grapple with because they've just been they've just been pushed to the side completely. So I can't you know say that a writer like a horror movie uh, director no. writer had had that in mind. Um, it just feels uh, like that. It's they're very just you know shoehorned into like a revenge kind of. I definitely don't think this is, like, a social justice, like, trope. Like, I'm acknowledging that it's, 
like observing that Native Americans were mm-hmm. wronged. But honestly, I do think that this trope uh, has rightfully died out because I think yeah. at the time all it did was kind of increase our like mm-hmm. racist stereotype of Indians. Like, oh, you know, they're all spiritual and yeah. they're all vengeful and they you know like we took their land and they want to get back at us yeah. they'll kill your children and whatnot it's like it's a bit it's, disgraceful it's a bit much <laughs> um and it's like it's not coming from native american writers which is what makes it yeah feel definitely even more disingenuous like it mm. would be one thing if you know a guy from that culture like came out and said like this is what i believe happens in our world like in our world when it comes to like spirits mm. um and like death but it's not it's just mm-hmm. like stephen king like a, at the time like 30 year old white guy saying mm-hmm. well of course the native americans will kill people mm-hmm. yeah. spirits like they just are angry and like who is he to like really even say that and mm-hmm. th- this is a trope like i said that's kind of died out like i can't remember the last movie that really addressed this this is kind of like a 70s and 80s yeah, trope definitely. exclusively I, um, I think it kind of was rehashed a little bit though with the new Pet Cemetery. Yeah, because the new Pet Cemetery, I believe, is the same. Because I saw it, I'm, and I'm trying to remember. They changed I'm, like one thing, and it was like which kid dies. Yeah, and, yeah, like, and that's it. So the Indian burial ground trope is still there because mm-hmm. they're sticking to that story. Which, whatever. I mean, the movie failed anyway. There, uh, I'll say something about Pet Cemetery is that. Either version of that movie you watch is pretty crappy. Yeah, but I I would say that the original has got a little bit more charm mm-hmm. than the new one, which is odd because I don't even think the original is all that charming. I just mm-hmm. think it's very eighties. Yeah, and definitely very like just the, some of the performances in that are like you can tell that they must have been iconic at the time. Mm-hmm. Like the old guy that's like, "Don't go up there. Mm-hmm. The ground is like the soil is turned or something." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Remember what they say about the soil. I think he said the soil is turned or, or sour. Oh. I don't know. Oh, the soil sour. The soil is sour. Okay, that's I what a, that's what guess. it is. Or the ground sour. We're gonna find this out. You right know, now, we Sophie. were gonna look it up live on the podcast. Sophie, live. look up the pet cemetery line. Pet cemetery sour, <laughs> ground sour. Okay, Google saying the ground has gone sour. The ground has gone sour. I'm scared. What is happening? So, um, what happened just now is my Google Home, of its own accord, started singing us a song about it being the new year. It, for the record, by the way, it's January 5th <laughs> um, <laughs> as we're recording this. So that's a bit odd. Yeah, um, kind of creepy. Really freaked me out. I don't like how she was singing. Um, so, so, I mean... I'm starting to think that this was built on a Mormon burial ground or something. <laughs> a Mormon. I uh, I think so too. It's nothing. It's nothing like a Mormon to come up to your door and start saying something. Well, oh, is this prejudiced? This isn't supposed to be prejudiced. <laughs> oh, nothing. We have nothing against Mormons. I have Mormon no, friends. No, no, we have nothing against anyone no. except um Hitler. Hitler. Definitely. Kim Jong Un. Kim Jong Un. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Mitch McConnell. Yeah, I didn't really care for Bin Laden either. Nah, not great. No. You know, that's a whole episode. <laughs> List of people we don't like. It's coming out <laughs> later. Later. But uh, 
let's we move got on a, to the next trope. We got another trope yeah. coming up out of out of Casey's mouth. Yeah, here we go. Um, another <laughs> another trope that I find really interesting that more people know about than you would think because there was actually just a movie that came out by the same title of this uh, film uh, theory. I guess I don't know. Oh. Uh, it's a trope, but uh, the final girl. Oh yeah, the final girl is uh, something that. Um, kind of like Scream-esque movies really play out. Uh, Friday the 13th, I believe, is one of the earlier films that I did think, this. Um, I think you would be looking for like Halloween or Alien yeah. even. That they, those came out before Friday the 13th, and I think yeah, like, okay, those gotcha. are probably what really solidified that. It I seemed... mean, we can go as far back to Psycho, technically. Oh, true. Because uh, there kind of is a final girl in that. Um, but the final girl is just literally what it means the final girl left um trying to escape the horror whatever whether it's a, a monster or a, a just a guy in a mask a slasher kind of a movie um it's it's an interesting trope it's uh it's a very sexualized like writing plot point i think um just because mm. I, don't, I don't know it's a it's uh there's like it's so like I've heard a bunch of like things about it, and and one of them that's really kind of really uh, deep is not the best word for this complex, I guess, is that it's like a it's like a, a um, this is so sick, but it's like really something I learned. But it's like sort of like the the fantasy with the male gaze about a killer and a, a woman left, and most of the time they're like super like you know they're sweaty you know maybe they've been cut up a little bit and they're like only like half dressed like yeah running from this it's a super rapey kind of uh uh trope especially in the earlier movies um now it's been with the movie the final girl it's sort of like they're kind of flipping it on its head and they're kind of reversing this trope um to uh counter i guess the the years and years of this of this thing um being used um and I can specifically think of like Ripley and Alien um, being like kind of the 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 big one I think about really is Ripley from Alien and the um, what was the one I mentioned? Uh, oh, Friday Scream, the... Scream, oh, Scream. I guess. Yeah. yeah, it's just uh, very like visceral kind of uh, female running from a killer. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Well, you know, I. I first really liked this trend because yeah i think alien was probably one of those first movies i saw mm -hmm. that employed it um but i thought alien did it pretty well like i think that they flipped it on its head because the the alien in that movie um you know ridley scott's talked about like that's supposed to turn yeah the trope on its head where like males experience rape in that movie because the uh the face hugger impregnates mm -hmm. like the crewmate with the alien and mm -hmm. then you know the the crewmate has to go through the process of giving yeah, birth definitely essentially and it's like oh look how disgusting it is that you show this like all the time in movies with like women like here it is like here males this is what that experience yeah. is like watch it and it's mm -hmm. horrifying like, yeah as a male viewer or even a female viewer watching that guy go through that you're like oh my god that's horrible. Mm -hmm. And so what I like about um, Alien is that like it's never really... It's one of those early films that passes mm -hmm. the Bechdel test. One. Yeah, because that was uh, the original comic 
from the woman when she like came up with that comic and the Bechtel test got started. She's like, yeah, tell me about it. The last movie I could see in a theater was Alien. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I just think that's really funny, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Alien is a really like solid movie in that regard because mm-hmm. it's like the gender or races of the crewmates are like never brought into like the forefront and it doesn't really need to be like they're mm-hmm. just all like it's the future and they're yeah. just all like minors you know mm-hmm. they're they're doing whatever they're doing um and i think ripley like survives because from the start of the movie she's the one that makes the most sense like when the guy gets infected mm-hmm. they're like you guys need to quarantine yeah um and it's someone else who's like oh we're not gonna quarantine and then, yeah course they get on the ship and everyone gets killed and ripley's probably thinking the whole time like they should have just fucking quarantined <laughs> message for this year yes, it, yeah, it's very uh very timely but <laughs> very very relevant yeah. in that regard but i don't know i think alien set a really good standard for it mm-hmm. but i don't think that a lot over. of horror movies have done that so well yeah. and i think even in alien like i can see where there's problems with this trope like you know, there's a Ripley undressing scene. Yeah, like, yeah. That's... that's just, like, thrown in there. And, mm-hmm. like, I'm thinking of most of these final girls. At some point, you do see them, like, half naked. Yeah, definitely. At, in the Aliens climax, Ripley is running around, like, mostly in her underwear. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, in a tank top, yeah. Like, it's... they didn't have to do that. No. You know, she could have just kept the spacesuit yeah. on a little bit longer. It's better. Yeah. The... I, and I don't think, uh... I don't think... Alien, I would consider Alien as a final girl trope if it wasn't as... And Alien's a little bit... Like you said, it's a little bit complicated because Ripley's kind of a badass. Mm-hmm. And she and she ends up... And in Aliens especially. Yeah. Like, dang. Da- yeah, ex- exactly. But I think um, if Ripley hadn't been running around only half-clothed, you know, it would have been a little bit... It would have been a little bit different and I don't think we could nearly classify it as as fully a final girl because also with final girls they're sort of like the killer kind of always has the upper hand they're kind of like afraid running around the whole time mm-hmm. but ripley's just kind of like i'm gonna kill this mf and thing and I'm yeah gonna, yeah she's really like badass about it as 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 opposed to you know maybe the uh i don't know the girl in psycho you know with uh alfred hitchcock psycho uh he uh that that movie's interesting because Hitchcock, um, he, he he's notorious for commenting on like sex and like women in uh, a different way, uh, where even the audiences and critics of like the '60s didn't fully realize it until, you know, Cahiers du Cinema, uh, the French uh, film magazine, they actually they posted. I don't know if you know this, but no. um, I'm kind of this is kind of like a side tangent, but. Hey, let's uh, get into it. Let's get into it. Here's Du Cinema is a, is a French magazine, French film magazine, and uh, they kind of set the tone for what is like what is considered like uh, canon and then like what's uh, real cinema over in France, and it carries over here in America. Like a bunch of Americans read Cahiers, and Cahiers came out. Um, I don't remember what year it was, but I think it was it was after Hitchcock had died or around the time where he was you know getting old. He hadn't made any movies anymore. But they started going back and rewatching Hitchcock's old films, and they're like, "Wait a minute, this is like high art." And they start they wrote this like whole, um, I guess, a bunch of essays on his films, and that's when people started revisiting Hitchcock films, and that's when he they got notoriety for being just instances of brilliance. So for example, the uh, North by Northwest, the scene where 
um, him and the girl are on the train and they kiss, and then the final shot is a train going into a tunnel. Oh. Yeah. And wow. in the, the writer of the North by Northwest book, he was like, I wish I would have, or the, maybe it was just the screenwriter of the screenplay. He was like, I wish I would have fucking thought of that. He's like, that's brilliant. That was all Hitchcock's idea. So he plays with these like themes of like sex and sexual violence. And Psycho is like, I guess would I'd be his magnum opus of that. Um, so I don't know. It's really interesting. So I thought yeah, I'd that's... give that little tidbit. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Man, I don't have much to bring to this other than like the observation that like um, in a lot of these like final girl movies, mm-hmm. I'm noticing that there's a trend in like digging up these older like films. Like Halloween mm-hmm. is another great example of this, mm-hmm. where like when this when this movie is being brought back to the limelight, like a reboot happens. Like mm-hmm. it usually takes place in the form of like a lot of action. You know, like Ripley in Aliens is no longer like half clothed at any point you know Mm -hmm. she's just they double down on she's a badass and she's like killing yeah a bunch of people sarah connor and terminator like terminator 2 Mm -hmm. she's ripped and she's like Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna get scared or killed ever again (laughs) i mean even in terminator dark fate they brought like 80 year old (laughs) she's probably not that old (laughs) no but linda hamilton is pretty old now though right they bring her back yeah and like kicking ass taking mm-hmm. names you know yeah um and I, I think that is interesting that like a lot of these final girl movies have given way to like more feminist like action mm-hmm. movies and yeah a lot of them are really good yes uh, like terminator 2 is one of the best movies of all time mm-hmm. aliens is one of the best sequels of all time mm-hmm. arguably one of the best movies of all time halloween i've heard the reboot is really solid oh oh yes it's great yeah. I, I mean, and but they've done it before. Like, they did, like, the whole Halloween movie that ignores all the sequels in H2O, which yeah. is Halloween 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Now they've just changed it to Halloween, Halloween. 40 years later. Yeah. And Jamie Lee Curtis is probably like, I'm so sick of doing these fucking movies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard that she actually enjoys doing the Halloween movies. Like, she's, if you watch the reboot, she gives it all, like her all. Like she is one hundred percent committed to this role. It's kind of insane that she is willing to like do these roles. And um, she was mainly like the she was a part of the uh, when that movie was doing its like press mm-hmm. circuit and things. She was out there on the front lines, you know, arguing for the movie. Like I, I feel like she really likes it, and yeah. she kicks ass in the new Halloween reboot. It's definitely it's one of those. It definitely I'm having a hard time remembering what the. Oh, yeah. So, technically, there is no final girl in the new Halloween reboot. It's just Jamie Lee Curtis, like... Uh, versus. Versus. Yeah, yeah. So, um... Oh, well, uh, before we leave this trope, I do want to ask, there's that term Scream Queen yeah. that, like, has been popularized, and, like, Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween is called the Scream Queen. Is mm-hmm. a Scream Queen the same thing as a final girl or is that just the term for like an actress who is in like a lot of horror movies like i that think way? i think scream queen is used to define and this is my opinion i think for me it's used to define the final girl that has survived like the surviving women like if i'm not mistaken not every final girl survives in a horror movie sometimes mm-hmm. the villain wins but it's scream queens are uh, i guess it's sort of those they're also um, like I guess you would use the term like legendary status, like Jamie Lee Curtis and like 
like Ripley mm-hmm. uh, from Aliens, like those are scream queens because they're, you know, I guess they survived and uh, they're typically from those older um, horror movies and stuff. And also there was that Ryan Murphy show called Scream Queens yeah, that had, a, had Jamie Lee Curtis in it. It's a, uh, that's kind of just like a, I don't know. Donna watched it and she loved it. I watched most of it with her. Can't say I loved it, but I will say it's it's kind of it's kind of smart in that it's it's about the trope of the of a little bit of the final girl, but also mainly the scream queen and mm-hmm. a lot of um and, and it's so weird to me that um scream coming out in the nineties has had this much I, I okay it's been like thirty years uh, and I always forget nineties still feels so like. I guess recent, but it's been 30 years since Scream came out. Yeah. But it's had such an effect on horror movies. Like that, like Scream is like a a blueprint for slasher movies now, nearly. And and at the same time, Scream is also super meta. You yeah. Know? I, it's so weird. Scream is an interesting movie. Well, Scream is an interesting like evolution of that director's mm-hmm. like um ideas like Wes Craven the the mm-hmm. mastermind be- behind Nightmare on Elm Street he had been kind of going towards the direction he took in Scream for a really long time because like as the Nightmare on Elm Street movies progressed like you know a lot of them were really bad but he came back to the franchise and I think there's one called like New Nightmare mm-hmm. and it's all about how he Wes Craven uh you know creates freddy krueger in like real life and it's like very meta and like funny in that sense like i haven't seen it in a really long time and yeah i don't know if i ever watched it all the way through i i haven't even seen the original nightmare on elm street all the way through so i'm probably out of my wheelhouse here yeah but um, um that's another one that has a final girl i'm pretty sure yeah um, i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely but that's one where it ends kind of like poorly like she gets a call i think and freddy krueger's like i'm your boyfriend now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's scary but um it's scary <laughs> having not seen the movie um but i think one of the coolest things about scream is like yeah it gets all those tropes together and I think it leads to one of these nicer, um, like, conservative tropes that yeah. horror movies have always had, which is um, you pretty much need to be abstinent in a horror movie if you want to survive. Yeah. I yeah. don't know when this came about. I don't know how it came about. But it's always been a fundamental truth of horror movies. If you're off doing the dirty, you're dead. I mean, like, that's, <laughs> that's the whole... Yeah, I was actually going to bring this up, how sexual horror movies... Actually, especially older horror movies actually mm. are with um, well, Friday the 13th the whole premise of that movie is that the mother is taking revenge because her son drowned while the two camp counselors were off having sex or they weren't uh, yeah. you know paying attention because they're and then also like in that movie like they're all it's like a teen summer getaway and they're like just, we're gonna have so much sex they're and all <laughs> horn dogs they're and all Jason horn dogs Voorhees is a vengeful Christian God and just like (laughs) killing them all for their, for their sinful ways. For their sins. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess in the first Friday, the 13th movie, I mean, spoiler alert, it's the mom. Yeah. Yeah. It's the mom. Yeah. But in preceding ones, they certainly didn't have a problem continuing to massacre. Yeah. Sex having teens and adults. Like, Oh my God. It's just, 
it's it's such a staple like even to the point that one of my favorite horror movies i don't know if you like it all that much um it follows oh yeah so yeah yeah <laughs> well i didn't finish it because once i understood what the movie was about it was just kind of boring to me so i just yeah i, didn't I don't it. think it's very boring at all i think so i mean you can take the l here again, I, I know but... i'm i'm constantly taking l's it's okay i will say the movie's smart that it follows it's a smart movie like i like the whole allegory and everything um yeah but it's kind of but... like the peak of the I think that it's specifically like made to tackle that trope because yeah. you know the monster in that movie is spread through the act of having sex mm-hmm. and like it'll stalk and kill whoever um, it was last passed to. I I get that maybe that sounds a bit simple, but like I think the way they do it in the movie is so interesting. Like the fact that it doesn't hurry after you it doesn't run or anything you know it just walks and takes its time and yeah eventually it'll catch up to you because you've got to sleep you've got to like do whatever you've got to do um like that's that's really interesting to me but i don't know like i think that that finally like really put it in simple terms to me it's like this is a stupid like idea you know this yeah. idea that like sex is this horrible thing that's that um spreads like misfortune and like can only bring about like bad things to those who partake in it like it's a really old conservative idea and like it's it's dying out in film like yeah you know sex is becoming more commonplace in mm-hmm. the horror movie and it's not like the sexual tension between a killer and like prey anymore yeah, it's like no, it's I think even in Happy Death Day like she has like a boyfriend or like you know a one night stand that she sees in that movie that like mm-hmm. becomes more important as things go i haven't seen it so uh yeah well he uh she i don't know like happy death day is like it's it's like a teen like campus movie and it's, so you think it's it would be all centered around like sex or like sexual things but they only make sexual kind of jokes like innuendos there's mm-hmm. no real plot of like sex there which uh you know and the killer is not out to uh kill her because of some sexual uh uh i don't know like act or like vengeance or whatever like that it's really different in that regards which that's why i like it honestly yeah. <laughs> um but yeah yeah i agree i agree um that's why i even like scream because it's not about like mm-hmm. the sex thing either they just are i mean they're just essentially being textbook horror horror movie killers and like yeah that's all they're interested in and it's just like breaking that down it's like why are they even doing it? It's just because it's in a horror movie. You yeah. Know? Um, I don't know. Like, this this trend definitely comes from, like, an anti-feminist, like, thing. I feel like, you know. Definitely. It's, it's, like, something to encourage people watching, like, oh, you know, if your daughter's having sex with people, like, you know, put a, put a stop to that. Or, or mm-hmm. here's some, like, media to make them feel guilty over it yeah. or be scared. And I mean... People are scared. Yeah. Now. Like, I don't know too many people who would be comfortable, like, going out somewhere at night and having sex in the car. And I think a big part of that isn't, like, real life, like, um, mm-hmm. influence. Like, I think that is, like, horror movies. Because mm-hmm. there is a real trend between, like, someone seeing a violent crime on TV and then believing a violent crime will happen to them. That's yeah. why, like, these, like, Law and Order shows are, like, scare often the, so problematic. Yeah, shit out of teenagers. They're just to scare people Mm -hmm. out of their minds and i mean oftentimes it's been used to scare people about like 
people of color. It's, mm-hmm. like, really problematic in that yeah. sense. Spe- I mean, and speaking of people of color, one of a... Um, this is more like of a joke. Yeah. If you think about it, about people of color being either the first to die or being, like, the villains in horror movies. Um, I can't really think of... I know there's one. I cannot think of it. There's a horror movie, an older one, where a, a, where a, a black person is, like, the villain. And I, I know I've seen it or I've read about it and I can't think of it. But for now, I'll stick with just people of color... Um, dying very early on yeah normally it's the like first. so common that like yeah people who you know haven't even really seen a horror movie like that are just aware that mm-hmm. it, and here's what it usually amounts to is the black guy dies first that's like what people that's, will say yeah that's like the joke um and, and i don't know where that came from per se but like know, it is it like is, a really yeah problematic um trope that i think we've finally started um uh dialing back on like i can't think of the last horror movie i saw where they did that but like also at the same time you know you don't get brownie points for not killing your black character first yeah you know if you still end up killing them it doesn't really matter what order it was in like if they're just there to be a, a placeholder in your horror movie you haven't really advanced any further and i think that's what um it really comes from i'm reading an article now okay. as we talk to, <laughs> to help us talk about this it's it's called racism in horror movies um so yeah basically this this comes from a trend where like black actors are cast in horror movies you know to be placeholders like they're just mm-hmm. in it to get killed like right. they're not there to be a character uh and this is i guess this was even common before uh like George A. Romero uh, made Night of the Living Dead, which is mm-hmm. one of the first movies to feature like a black character in a main role. Yes. Um, and even though that character does die before the movie's over, I think that that time it's a bit of commentary. Yes. In there. Like it's not just because he's supposed to be a placeholder mm-hmm. because I, he's the he's main not he's character. the main character. Yeah. What, okay, that's what I wanted to um, say about. I haven't heard anybody talk about that final sequence in night of the living dead. Like everybody talks about it being like the first zombie movie and how good it is. But dude, I was, I got chills. Like when they like, like spoiler, if you haven't seen night of the living dead, and it's a very old movie, you can watch it for free on YouTube. By the way, it's on you. It's great movie. Either way, final sequence, you know, he dies and like the cops like come and just, it's it's people who are rounding up like zombies. Like it's hunters. They see him in the window and they're They're, like, Oh, another one. They and they shoot, shoot him, him dead, and they throw him on the pile. Yeah, like, and like the re- like the final sequence is just a bunch of like photos of like basically like they use like some kind of hook to like drag them into like a pile, and then they I guess they like taking pictures by the pile. Super super like a haunting images, and I I gotta give George Romero some credit. I think that was like that was all him. That was just a a bit of commentary there that uh. uh think he's smarter than we give him credit for maybe yeah um because I, I don't know that's just an insane uh movie but um and i i just thought of this while we were talking it's not necessarily a horror movie but just speaking on um this can be like a whole episode i know but yeah just about racism and film but i watched an interesting movie in, in cinema history called kabiria 
1920s um, epic uh, black and white uh, silent film. Um, the main character in that, or not the main character, just one of the characters in that in that movie is, um, I believe he's supposed to be um, a, a black, like a macho character, but he's played by, by blackface, um, a white a white guy doing blackface, um, which is how they mostly did black roles like very in the 1920s mm-hmm. and stuff but it's i think birth of a nation so oh that trend yeah very early definitely and, and um that's uh the thing about this character though is that he started to be like well loved by the public they like did spin-off movies of this character oh and my I, god i cannot remember his name but you know it's crazy that like people loved him but it's just a white guy literally painted to look like a black person the that's the most problematic thing I could ever think of, like with film, and with um, Birth of a Nation, um, just the literal the villain, you know, quote unquote, of that movie is um, black people, people yeah. of color, uh, and it's and it's blackface again, in again, that movie yeah, too. they won't. and the and the KKK is the hero, yeah, yeah, of that movie, like they come in. And they kill all the black people, and they everyone celebrates. It's horrible. It's one of the most horrible things yeah. ever put to the screen it's, that I've ever seen. And it's even more complicated because that movie is like um, important to cinema history, important to literally the evolution of making mm-hmm. films. Because the movie, how it was shot, how it was made, is absolutely genius and groundbreaking. But the the material is so appalling. It's 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 one of those films that like when uh, when professors talk about it and stuff and when people try to have a conversation about it you have to ride a lot like a very very thin line uh, or you're on thin ice rather I should say when talking about it because the movie technically is brilliant but everything else is just awful like yeah, you know it's, it's only like problematic in terms of like the history of our culture but in the history of like the development of movies, like it is like a milestone you can't ignore, and yeah. that's it's horrible. Yeah, that, that's the truth. Like it's just like the development of like the nuclear bomb. Like it's one of the greatest scientific discoveries of all time. But speaking to the health of our world, it's mm-hmm. one of the most horrible things that's ever happened. The use of nuclear bombs. Um, you know, people often like say Nazi scientists are like genius and like they discovered like a lot of important things but like recent years have shown that like the likes of joseph mangala uh did not contribute to scientific research all that well it turns out that trying to find out um if twins have like a, a psychic link between each other by hurting them individually doesn't track all that well in scientific yeah. research like not only is it unethical it's not very helpful Mm-mm, you know no and that's the that's the thing that i guess we should walk away from this from is like even if something seems like important like as a milestone there and it comes from a problematic past it is a-okay to turn your back on that yeah. you know um all that to say is these, this trend of like the person of color like dying first mm-hmm. or dying in the sequel like I was just reading about this mm-hmm. even movies where a, a character of color survives a horror movie is often killed in the next in a one. sequel yeah it's and that's horrible mm-hmm. um, but I think it is something that is coming to an end uh, I will say that 
the horror genre is definitely still dominated by white actors and it's mm-hmm. very uncommon that you see um a person of color like take the lead role which is why it's exciting to see movies like uh get out and, and us, us yeah. come out and um you know a lot of people will say oh there's no stakes because the main character is not getting killed like shut the fuck up you know <laughs> The black guy has been getting killed in movies forever. Like, yeah. I'm glad Daniel Kaluuya sticks it to a, a bunch of racist <laughs> white people in yeah. and, and Get Out. I'm glad that that family all survives in Us, you mm-hmm. know? Like, yeah. I, I'm sick and tired of it being the other way around. And people, and that's what's crazy, is like, the white people getting killed in those movies cause such an uproar. Like, the one negative review on Get Out because it has like a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. The right. one negative review is like, oh, it glorifies the killing of white people. Um, and us, a big criticism is that the white family is murdered midway through the movie. Like, you're, you're going to be okay with uh, this decades-long trend of like characters of color being murdered senselessly. But the instant it's someone of your own skin color being murdered senselessly, you have a problem with it now. Maybe it should make you look inward yeah. and acknowledge that this is... That senseless killing has always been disturbing, and mm-hmm. it's been even more disturbing when people have just been put into movies uh, with their race to die. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I, and I, which is, is so, it baffles me because in us, it's the the opposites of the white, fa- it's the white people killing the white people. Mm-hmm. Makes no sense. It's just, it's just Well, blatant. and then, I mean, the family comes by and picks off the, the oh well the I, yeah yeah but, but to me it doesn't make any sense to why it's just blatant racism at that point mm-hmm. I, it's it's ridiculous it's not real it's not a real like criticism of a film and and i personally think get out is one of the best horror movies of all time it's because fantastic. It, it it totally it reverses everything like everything it plays on everything you could imagine like it's just a great horror film and uh, I cannot wait for, you know, uh, whatever Jordan whatever Peele Jordan does, does next. next. Yeah, like, I know I know he's produced the new Candyman coming out. Um, yeah. I don't know if that'll, to me, can't, the new Candyman doesn't look that good. But he is producing it. I'm still going to watch it. I, I'm hopes. interested to see the next thing he writes. Like, he he's starting to produce a lot more. And it's been mm-hmm. kind of hit or miss. Like, the new Twilight Zone show, I think, is mm-hmm. eh. Yeah. But, like, I don't think that's on him at mm-hmm. all. Like, I think when he directs and when he writes, like, he's absolutely brilliant. And I can't wait to see what comes next. And, I mean, even yeah. though I didn't think Us was as good as Get Out, like, I mm-hmm. still think it's one of the more interesting, like, movies that's come Definitely. out in a long time. Definitely. Oh, my God. But, um, yeah, those were some tropes and yeah. horror. There's uh, obviously, we might do another episode on more tropes, because there's even more, like, a, a really interesting one I like is, like, evil dolls, and, uh, like, nature, you know, taking revenge, uh, that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the Indian burial ground, but still, you know. And I'll think of more I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot of horror tropes. It's a it's a huge, sprawling genre. We didn't even mention, we didn't even scratch the surface. No, surface unscratched, man. No, no. <laughs> but, uh, but we hope that uh, these are some interesting uh, ones and we were able to enlighten maybe a couple of you. I yeah. don't know. You, you but, know, it's good to take a look at something you like. And, like, mm-hmm. I like horror movies a lot. I love horror, yeah. You know, it's good to look back and see, like, 
where some of these tropes came from, and to discover what we most often discover in today's society. Everything we like is rated is rooted in problematic stuff, <laughs> and we need to acknowledge it if we are going to grow from it. So yeah. hopefully, you've uh, you've enjoyed us kind of taking a, a, a closer look at some yeah. of this stuff. Um, anyway. Tell us some of your favorite horror movie yeah, tropes in yeah. the comments, or or just tell us Twitter. some of your favorite horror movies. Yeah, yeah I'd I mean, be curious to know. Yeah. Like, I I think three of mine are The Shining, It Follows, and uh, Hereditary. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think three. My Hereditary is definitely on mine. I would say that one. Um, I wouldn't classify Lighthouse as a horror. It's kind of horror. It's kind of horror. If so, that's one of my favorites, obviously. Just and put a slash the just witch. Put there. a slash the witch there, yeah, because they're both uh, amazing. Um, and definitely, um, I think what was I thinking of the? Uh, I just totally left my mind. Oh I'll my think God. of it and post it on Twitter. Casey I'll post doesn't my... have a third favorite I, horror movie. Yeah. He only knows two. I only know two. No, I just I left. You want to say mind. Get Out? Uh, yeah, you know what? As a placeholder, I'll put Get Out because Get Out is uh, that's a it's a five star movie. That's right a there. zesty. It's a zesty. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening. As always, I've been Isaac. I've been Casey. Uh, see you next week. Mwah. Mwah. <laughs>